It's Wednesday, September 1st. Welcome to today's episode, where we're discussing some real estate, a show about a team of paranormal investigating real estate agents who get stuck in lockdown when they realize that one of them is possessed by a demon. Episode 7 is about 45 minutes, written by the creator of the series and the basis for this review. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get started. here I want to see if you can list the differences and uh, similarities between each of them so starting off supernatural um so the character the villain in this episode is a wendigo they even say it uh they call it a roadie they also call it a leshy a kitsune uh they also talk about it being in nordic a villain in the nordic mythology because they find out something integral to being able to catch it by the end. So you do get some of the background for the uh, for creature. the the creature, yes. Okay, uh, ghosts, ghosts, the TV show, the TV show, yeah. Uh, as far as the mentality between the group members, because you have uh, Phil, Susan, Luke, Zoe, they're all a team. They're all real estate agents, and um, I guess just the way they banter one with one another is sort of like ghosts, but not really from the supernatural aspect of it. Okay. Uh, the paranormal side of things but ghost is about like happy ghosts like they're, they're right. kind of all a good ghost they're, they're, yeah it's supposed these to guys be are like... trying to banish the demon in okay. this episode all of them are human all right evil evil's such a serious show compared to this it also has a bigger budget and it's more about the actors like luke cage and michael is it emerson the from lost yeah, yeah. Uh, they are definitely the focal points of the series. They're kind of like, what is the David Tennant, Michael Sheen series? Not the one that we did for the podcast, but the, the, the paranormal one, that Neil Gaiman oh, series. Oh, uh, Good Omens. Good Omens. That's the sort of show that, like, evil... It's all about those stars, and you can tell that the writing is meant to center around that talent. While this show, it's definitely an ensemble cast, and you do have Susan and Luke who get the most airtime, but it felt like a bunch of no ones. Like, I didn't recognize anybody, really. I walked away with a couple favorite characters, but the acting was not the best. This is a Canadian TV show, so it was more about the storyline, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised because it didn't end up being a Pandora-type show Mm -hmm. where it just felt everything was cheap about it. It felt like this was a bottle episode that I watched, but it was, again, written by the creator, so they actually had a point to it. You you did get some characterization by the end of it. You felt like you knew everybody, and it could have been a, a good pilot almost. Yeah, and a lot of Schitt's Creek fans are happy because Tim Rosen and Sarah Levy are both in, in that show, and then when they were cast for this show, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm definitely going to watch it kind of because of the comedic Schitt's taste. Creek has really taken off over the last yeah. few months. It feels like everybody's watched that show. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Nosferatu. Uh, what network? Was that FX? Uh, that was AMC. AMC, yeah. Again, bigger budget. Also, the storyline, I didn't like that it didn't follow the book, but it definitely had a one-track linear thing. Like, it was trying to... The episode I watched was a background story to the evil villain. Right, I Didn't even have that. a main character in it. It's There's really no comparison with Nosferatu. This, this show is not a horror show in that sense. It's more like supernatural where it takes itself with a grain of salt like it's it's not taking itself super seriously okay uh, i'll move on to some shows well, i can actually give you my initial impressions before i started watching okay. it right, yeah. so when i just saw the cover of it i thought oh this is going to be debris because it was <laughs> it was foggy there was right, kind of like a blue, neutral right? sense yeah and it wasn't like that at all 
from the title because it was it just surreal estate one word i thought okay this is gonna be like santa clarita diet you definitely have a sci-fi spin on real estate agents going on here so i wasn't surprised Mm -hmm. from that sense the episode title's name though was quarantine right right yeah and so in that sense i knew going in it was probably going to be a bottle episode because i was like okay well all the characters are going to be stuck somewhere and that's exactly what happens within the first few minutes i'm like okay they're all going to be in this office building which shooting from an office is probably the cheapest thing you can do reminds me of like office space and, and all those other kind of indie yeah, comedies. an office or a warehouse somewhere where you it's, it's not a Worst, script yeah, you, one can, place. you don't have to get like any rights besides just the ownership of that building um but then if if i was just going to compare it to all shows in general mm-hmm. i would say it's a mix between alphas leverage and the thing the movie the thing the movie the thing okay. because the whole center of this episode is that one of the people has a demon inside them and the demon can keep on flipping into different people but they don't know where it is at any certain time oh, okay so it's so it can leave someone and then will they remember them them having the they'll demon remember or? some part of the possession like they'll remember right before they go out of it they'll also get these weird tremors like august is the first person to be possessed and uh he he gets these tremors and then they'll also remember certain moments um like if okay let me just go into the plot a little okay. bit so the first scene that we get is them all coming into the office. It's been a long day of work for the Roman agency. That's what they call themselves, real estate agents. But they've been working on this house, the Jackson house, where you had a family. Their kids were possessed and they had done like terrible things to their parents, blah, 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 blah. They're doing a debrief in front of everybody. And uh, that's when they realize, because alarm bells go off in the office, that one of them, the demon that they were supposed to have killed, had actually followed them to the, like in one of their bodies to their office, and now it was in them. So the breach alarm goes off, they go into lockdown, the only person that can get in and out is the security guard. He doesn't really come into play. I think his name is Larry. Um, I was going to ask if he, maybe he was. He the doesn't one even with make the an appearance. Oh, okay. They just talk All about right. him. I assume he's shown up in other episodes. Or maybe it's an on-running joke that he never shows up. Uh, so they're trying to figure out who he's in the host of. And so they go by the buddy system. They're like, anybody who leaves, and this is where it's like the thing, right? Mm-hmm, right. Everybody has to go somewhere with someone else. The buddy system is an issue to me. Because it, it, why wouldn't you send people three by three? three yeah, or like have because more if, than just Because if one it's one person. and one, then you, you'll never know who to trust. Right. <laughs> yeah. And also, so I don't understand why in all these shows, whenever anybody is possessed, they're like, well, we have to go by two. So that it, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's like, yeah, I actually agree with Scream where they're like, we never split up in a horror movie. We have to all stay together because there's no reason to. Yeah. That said, I do get to know some of the characters. August is sort of the techie guy. And then you have Phil, who's with Anthony. All Everybody, as soon as they realize that they're stuck in that place, makes phone calls to their significant others to say, hey, it's going to be not a gonna, late Yeah, one. I'm not going to be home. Yeah. And Phil is talking to Anthony, and they're like the couple from Trying, um, where they're trying to adopt. Oh, okay. And so Anthony's really mad that Phil's not going to come back and be ready for the adoption agency to show up and like do their test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have Zoe who is talking to Jeffrey, and Jeffrey's like this bum that she's dating. She's like not, she's between a millennial and a Gen Z. Uh-huh. Quippy as hell. Um, the jokes actually land, uh, which oh, is- Oh, okay. Because I heard it, it, it goes more on the goofy side. It's very goofy. She, like Timberlake's mentioned, uh, social media is mentioned a lot, but, but is, she pulls it off. 
And so by the end of the show, she's actually my favorite character. Oh, okay. because, and I think she has the biggest chance of breaking out from a role like this and actually going on to do something else <laughs> just because I liked her acting so much. August was my favorite character at the beginning because he, had, he, he has his cat that he calls Schrodinger. And so like <laughs> when he made his call, he was talking to someone about feeding his cat. <laughs> so, uh, but he ends up realizing that he's the possessed one. And when you're possessed, apparently, by this Wendigo, or as they put it, Rhodey, um, your arms get super long, like in uh, Space Jam. That's I was going to say Fantastic Four, where it's like... No, it's straight up Space guy. Jam. Okay. He, he stretches, closes the door. And, <laughs> and then in another scene, when Zoe's possessed, she's like Spider-Woman. She's like on top of the roof, just like crawling around. Other than that, we don't really see the demon do much besides get black eyes. Um, yeah, so it's not that I, threatening. I, I know that um, a lot of the time they would kind of go the cheap route, like uh, to show that a monster was there. They would have like people who had other jobs on set. They would have like things flying in the rooms, objects, so they would just start throwing them all around. So this this is also a sci-fi show. It's not going to have a huge budget. So there's another way to compare it to ghosts, right, I guess, because yeah. ghosts is also something from the British point of view that they don't spend a lot of time on special effects. Remember, there was a guy who was getting his head like volleyball. Right, I remember, yeah, I remember um, me that yeah yeah and then the thing that also happens to people who are possessed is they become extra salty like even when they're in their regular time they just become angry and so they say honest things that they think about it, uh, one another but in a very passive aggressive way so august starts insulting zoe being like you're a very needy person and then later on they have this whole character because jeffrey breaks up with zoe and then he's like you only date broken people and you got to learn to like no oh, okay so you get some real background on these people so i really learned about the characters by the end <laughs> All right. So I really enjoy this part of the episode, actually, because we're getting to know everybody. We're seeing I'm curious how it's going to resolve itself. And then it just does like they're all in the room together. August fixes the machine. He points it at one of them. Oh, they they do realize, as I said, with the Nordic mythology that the, the not the ghost, but the roadie can only tell the truth. So they just start asking. Oh, okay. So so Phil literally just starts pointing at every single one of them being like, are you the demon? Are you the demon? Are you the demon? And then they get to Susan, and then Susan's like, "Oh yeah, I'm the demon." And then she like runs that after feels, them. That feels almost kind of like a cheap move, though. Like you're watching this episode, and then it just turns out that the they had to solve truth. it in 40 minutes. Um, so yeah, that's what happens. They get catch it, or they think they do again. And then at the very end of the episode, the last 10 minutes is Susan attending this platinum ring esteem awards to get a lifetime achievement award in. Um, real estate agents uh, like blah 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 yeah yeah uh and so she's alone accepting this thing and her real estate agency the roman one that i was talking about it's been panned because there's been all these killings that have gone on right yeah yeah with its particular clients <laughs> so there's they have that neg negative publicity going around so there's all these whispers and stuff and then it, right as she's accepting her award that's when she's feeling really down on herself her team walks in, there's music, they slam the door behind them, <laughs> they're all dressed up, and they sit down, and we even get to meet uh, Anthony, Phil's uh, husband or whatever. <laughs> so, so, so it's a feel-good ending? Well, that that is where it almost ends, and then we get an extra scene where Luke is saying goodbye to his girlfriend, um, and he wants to actually take her back to his place, and I forgot what her name is, but it becomes very clear that she's possessed, still with the demon, because oh, okay. she had come in at the very end and kind of just delivered dinner or something to them and so then she just goes home and so now she's gonna go haunt her house <laughs> yeah a couple other shows she goes in an uber too okay a couple, a couple other shows i had were winona earp i know that a lot of people who worked on that show also worked on this death valley and then um 
million dollar listings los angeles because a lot of other uh, critics were like yeah no it actually kind of does uh like talk about the house and whatever this would be a very surprising show to see on any other network than cw or sci-fi or some canadian one well yeah and you mentioned the thing uh i know that they tried to do a lot of homages to stephen king and the exorcist while doing so uh you watched the episode directed by danishka esterhazy and she is someone who kind of wrote the bible for the show had all like kind of the ideas for the monsters and even wrote um the highest rated episode of the season which is episode four i got really interested um um, because I saw that she had directed the two movies, the Banana Splits uh, movie, the horror movie based off of the 80s kids cartoon, and um, Level 16. I got so interested in it that I actually watched the two films yesterday, so I thought that would be... In preparation for this? Yeah, I just wanted to see I watched that. like less than an hour. You watched like four hours worth of films. Well, they were, de- <laughs> they were very different films, I'll say for that matter, but it's strange because I know that um, with something like the Banana Splits movie, the comedy, because that was really only horror comedy that there was, uh, it came from the plot more than it actually came from the show itself. But here it sounds like you're saying that it did rely on What do you mean by that? Like, you have to elaborate. Well, okay, so the Banana Splits movie is uh, based off of, like, the kids' cartoon from the 80s. But the whole entire point of why it's funny is the fact that these animatronic-type uh, figures, characters, are killing kids. Are they bananas? No, no, no. They're, they're like... They're, I never watched it. I wasn't alive in the 80s. <laughs> well, you know Five Nights at Freddy's? Yes. The movie even got a cult following because of it. It's basically like that. However, they actually took characters from the 80s and made it like they were like a live action TV show. Got it. But then like some special people get to go behind the stage and then they all end Just up get murdered. dying yeah, gruesomely by these. But, but you're saying that it was funny? It was funny in the sense where it's like you're seeing these animatronic, uh, like, you know, dogs, cats, whatever, kill people. But it wasn't actually funny in and of itself. There weren't a lot of jokes. And when I watched the movie Level 16, which I thought was significantly better, I was really surprised to see that Danishka Esterhazy, who, again, really focused, like, it seems like on the jokes for this type of show, ended up doing it because Level 16 uh, was about, like, just trying to push a huge message about feminism and all this other different type of stuff, mm-hmm. but not trying to be funny at all. So that's why I was so interested. Well, she's not the writer. She's just the director. She's the director, but she I think she's directed the most episodes for this show. And I, I wanted, and I was, like, wondering. The dialogue in, in this is super sappy. Like, but if you're able to handle that, you, you also see the dialogue that is pretty off-the-cheek funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it, it, that is a negative. I wrote it down as one of my issues is that Sarah gives basically a Disney speech by the end. Um, sorry, not Sarah, Susan. Um, and then Susan and Luke have a number of conversations where I'm just like, ugh, when is this going to end? But when it comes to um, Zoe and August's conversation or just like the banter in between all of them at once, mm-hmm. that's a lot more like fun to watch. You know? it did seem like it so overall you'd give it a good review yes so yeah because this is george olsen i think he was the writer that you were talking about this is his show and it's his first show that he's ever worked on how do you get the job um, well i have three truths and a lie as to how this show came to be i want to see if you could guess which one so he originally worked in real estate george olsen and got to know agents who handle difficult properties on the market for a ton of different reasons um, one friend said a house came with an add-on, Sad Sally, the specter cried in the kitchen overnight. Hearing this, he turned it into a pilot script. That's the first one. 
The second one is, one day George Olson went to his door. Much like the Ghostbusters, there were two men who were at his door selling ghost extraction services. He thought that they would be interesting subjects, but decided to make one a girl, and he decided to write a pilot. The third one is, George Olson talked to Tim Burton, his friend, about making a horror television show, and Burton looked at a script and said that if he added more horror, it could really work. The fourth one is, Olsen, after being a huge fan of classic horror films like Psycho, The Shining, and Silence of the Lambs, decided to write a pilot script. Um, what's the first one again, sorry? The first one is the fact that he was a real estate agent. That he was a real estate agent? Yeah, and that he ended okay, up... Okay, I'm going to weed out the middle two because I just don't find them believable. Um, so I'm going to say it's either A or D. And D, you said he just watched movies and then he just he was wrote a, a He was a horror film, Psycho, The Shining, Science of the Lambs fan. He was just a fan. Yeah. Um, but what, what would the real estate thing come into play with it? Uh, I'll say A, because of that just being a creative way that he came in through the real estate agency. Yeah, you got right. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. It's for, like he's like the wire guy then, because that guy used to Right, based, based off of actual experiences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I got the Tim Burton thing from Mr. Corman. I was wondering if you were going to remember that. I don't think or... this guy would know Tim Burton. Like, <laughs> well, I don't think they would run in the same crowds. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's kind of the point of why I put it in there. Okay, um, so it was supposed to be a joking answer. Yeah. So you're talking about the fact that it slows down when it gets to the conversations. Did it feel, though, like the main character, but played by Tim Roseon, again, by Shit's Creek, did it seem like they were really trying to build his character up? Because from what I understand, the later half of the first season is supposed to be a lot more emotionally resonant than the first half. Well, having your girlfriend possessed, and the Roman agency is kind of trash because of some uh, TV news report local story that said that they're a bad agency to go with that's going to motivate him to like step up his game because in this episode he was literally just the boss who sat around and was just cool with everything even when he found out people were possessed he never got like super animated he was just like all right so but <laughs> another day at work well you know? so, so like no one dies in the episode oh though. obviously not no this well, isn't that type of show it doesn't see seem that's like. that's why i'm surprised or i guess not surprised there's, because there's no blood or guts this isn't like so if you're going into this because <laughs> in banana splits there it's all blood and guts there's always just a random object yeah. that gets splattered with blood there's <laughs> no like ex machina moment it was a very simple episode but that was a good thing like much different than if they were oh, trying like L- the living dead or whatever that one show oh you the hate. age of the living dead yeah i feel like they go over the top with everything they try to they have the guns they're killing people yeah, left they and tried right to do that for comedy and i didn't find it funny at all <laughs> yeah yeah but the that's what their plot is driven by is just the fact that like oh we're just gonna kill as many people mm-hmm. as possible and like this actually relied on like hey let's show each person their vulnerabilities let's have the monster actually bring about like people having difficult conversations because by the end they were all kind of pissed off at each other or at least hurt by one another because the monster had literally said things that was true from the person's brain but that they would never say aloud to them Mm -hmm. so susan's conversation to luke was like your girlfriend is uh like she's too or you're too good for her which was a weird one um zoe's again was like august went after her august is a really interesting voice by the way if anybody watches the show this is he's he's got kind of a cool voice so that's why it was my favorite character as well at the beginning (laughs) so so it dipped into the characters because like with the banana splits movie i found it so substandard the uh like the acting the dialogue even the violence the guts the gore it seems like here they actually wanted to focus on the story more like you were saying yeah the sci-fi could easily hold a show like this back if they just depended on it i think that's what happened with evil they decided like well let's make this uh, villain look ridiculous and um 
and it took away from me. I remember he kept on having these dream sequences where he saw this giant like figure that would, had giant teeth and stuff like this. The craziest thing they did, again, black eyeballs and the guy's arm went really big. And it did feel like maybe they just weren't spending that much money on it, but it actually worked to the show's favor because of it. Well, there, there's a couple different things. One, Tim Rosen decided to base his character off of Michael J. Fox from The Frighteners. <laughs> he was like, that's who I'm going to, he's the main character. And also, there was a story in which sometimes they actually do use animals for the demons or, or whoever is going to be the creature of the week for the show, but they said that the animals are usually the um, most difficult people to work with on set. Like in episode two, I believe uh, Sarah Levy was talking about how she needed to like kind of be with a crow and a crow needed to be on her shoulder, but the crow was acting up so much, even though they like get, you know, we already have done shows where like we learned they get chiropractors and like the animals are treated just as well as the humans, but the a chiropractor work for a I don't know, but they, but they were talking about how it was it was acting up so much that they ended up having to use a fake crow and just CGI it because of the fact that like the animals aren't really working. They shoot it though in St. John's, Newfoundland, which has a huge variety of housing stock and contemporary houses as well as Victorian homes with incredible woodwork, and the houses are supposed to be metaphysically so they get, like, engaged. Free- free reign as to where they want to film right exactly and it's also supposed to be a lot more cheap did it feel though that the show went experimental at any time i really am trying to tie this back to level 16 it's not like wakefield where there's like a psychedelic trip or anything um the craziest it gets in the show when you do have those possession moments like when august takes zoe when he's possessed you just see her kind of walking towards or away from the door and then suddenly he just grabs her and pulls her back in and it's not like something you would see in a thriller movie or something it was like some dark shadowy thing pulls her in so that was as trippy as it got no like as as scary maybe as it got as well Uh, No, it was never scary. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that not that many people died because something I realized in both movies were that the main cast usually always lived and it was all the evil characters and kind of secondary characters that died in her films. Um, Something I will say is that the Nanas Blitz and Level 16s both start off slow, but it seems like this kind of had the opposite uh, effect, right? Well, it also felt like Bajillion Dollar Properties where George Olsen was making a critique or making fun of just the smarminess of the uh the industry the real estate industry and how people act and how they're only caring about their like their looks and i know i compared it to santa clarita diet but it's also like uh what's the show the apple tv servant where they're a very upper class new york household and so all this haunting and stuff that's happening to them they have to keep it so low-key and away from their jobs because she's a reporter and he's a famous cook and it, it, it's just funny this dichotomy that's present anyways shows well, you, like this you also said that servant was supposed to be funny right so that so it kind of connects and parallels in that way well servant is a lot more serious than this show it's a lot darker um this show again i said compared it to leverage too because it's right, yeah. it's about that team aspect they're in like sort of the same office that you see in a regular leverage episode um and then i wouldn't have surprised me if any of them had like superhuman abilities so i was still waiting i think for- yeah i think that that's supposed to be like explored either in season two you know I'm, I'm not sure if it's been renewed or that's definitely been a defining moment that like it seems like tim rosen and just the whole cast have kind of kept under wraps but there have been like people yeah, that because like up. susan i'm not sure if this was because of the demon but susan was telling her speech at the end there to get her acceptance ceremony whatever and bob her previous employer who had fired her because his wife was jealous of of her um again it's just the vainness of the industry uh he's sitting there and watching her do this her team walks in and then suddenly his plate like lights on fire so i wasn't sure and she like 
just smirks and everybody kind of just like passes it off like oh that's normal <laughs> so so does he like try to bat it out does he get fired they also make a or? they also make a joke about carrie right beforehand okay so that's another like kind of reference that they make yeah and then his his plate lights on fire and no one talks about it. it's just weird like it feels like someone should have a superpower that they should have talked about so, so are you going to watch it on uh, some more episodes or catch up uh no okay well that's a six- one off is nice <laughs> yeah it's a 6.9 on imdb the episode that you watched has an eight but it's not a very well-known show in fact the 6.9 comes from like i a, would concur also give views. it an eight because uh, if you're okay with watching you know that going in there you're not supposed to be watching the next loki or anything <laughs> it's gonna have a lot of sap behind it but you will enjoy sort of an individual closed off storyline for the most part uh, and you will get to know the the sense of the show. Like, I did not leave there. I will be able to watch any other sh- uh, episode from now on and know all the characters. So you give it a tomato. <laughs> yeah, but we're not Rotten Tomatoes. Well, so. it has three tomatoes and one Ron. So if you gave it a tomato, it would be 80% on Ron Tomatoes and has a 70% audience score. TV Fanatic says it feels similar to other sci-fi shows off the bat, such as Warehouse 13 and Haven, and that's good company. <laughs> I, again, Zoe is sort of the spark plug. Without her, I think this would be a much more boring show. Yeah, well, because <laughs> it gives them the excuse to kind of juvenile the humor, but not to the point where it's like poop humor or something. Yeah, well, the show has gone good. Re- I haven't found a review that I just absolutely hated on it yet. But again, yeah. I don't think it's that well known of a show. So season two, I feel like it's up in the air. I will say that Tim Rosen did get cast before Sarah Levy and was so happy that he texted her. And that's how she figured out she got the job. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So that should probably do it for this episode. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.